You're listening to Sphera Now, a podcast for environmental health, safety, and quality professionals around the globe. This is brought to you by Sphera, the largest global provider of integrated risk management software and information services with a focus on environmental health and safety, operational risk, and product stewardship. Now, let's get started. Welcome to the Sphere Now podcast. I'm James Tarani, Sparks Editor-in-Chief. Today on the program, we have a very special guest. His name is Mark Hutcherson, and he is ConocoPhillips, Director of Operations Excellence. Thank you so much for joining me today, Mark. Hi, James. Uh, it's great to be here with you. I really appreciate the time. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background and your role at ConocoPhillips? Yeah, sure. So, as you mentioned, uh, currently director of, of our operations excellence uh, program here in, in ConocoPhillips. In general, I, I guess I've been in the industry for uh, almost 20 years now. So, I'm originally from Kansas. Um, so, growing up there, even though there are oil gas wells, have very little oil and gas background, I guess, until I started uh, started working out of college. So. Um, in the past 20 years, I've, I've worked through lots of different roles, so mostly engineering um, from facilities to reservoir to mostly production engineering and completions. And I transitioned into um, you know, operations excellence here for the last few years, and I've, I've really grown a, a passion for you know, really digging in to our operations and trying to solve um, all the unique challenges that uh, you know coming at us continuously. Um, so yeah, so that's what I do in my current role. And so aside from traditional ops excellence, you know, I really also have picked up a lot of, uh, I guess, innovation, digital technology, um, roles and stewardship, trying to figure out how we apply that in our global operations. So how does ConocoPhillips uh, define operational excellence? I know that's something that uh, when you go organization to organization, uh, people have different opinions on that. So how does ConocoPhillips define it? Yeah, well, um, so so we still hold very strongly to our uh, traditional definitions that I think a, a lot in, in, of folks in oil and gas are familiar with. So promoting that excellence in, in those operation functions like maintenance, reliability, planning, scheduling, asset integrity, process safety, you know, and 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 uh, and leadership, uh, HSE. So, you know, really that's our foundation. You know, we're looking at driving best practices, looking to just make sure that we have the, the continuous improvement going on across our company. Um, so that's really our foundation. And I think, uh, you know, it's, it's really become um, an embedded culture uh, just as you know, so ops excellence in our company is, is just as embedded in our culture as as our HSE. Um, everybody kind of lives and breathes it in our operations. That's interesting. So you talk about the uh, uh, continuing excellence. Um, does that start from the top? I mean, is that the best way for an uh, organization that really focus on safety? On, on the safety side, yeah, it, it, it really does. I mean, so obviously everybody has a personal responsibility to look out for themselves and for their coworkers and their friends and family. But, um, you know, to really to really get to that next level and to excel, I think it's it's extremely important. In fact, it's imperative to to have that the leadership, the folks from the top um, always sending that message, truly believing in it and and always uh, emphasizing that it is our, our top priority. And how do you get that kind of buy-in from leadership for your uh, 
uh, digital transformation type programs? So for digital transformation, you know, really, I don't think it's been a tough sell at all. In fact, I think a lot of the drive that we've seen, um, you know, towards applying digital transformation to operational excellence in our company, it's, it's really uh, manifested itself from, from direction from, from our senior leaders. I mean, uh, I'm thinking, you know, quite a few years ago now, um, you know, we were, we were starting to get really big into to data analytics. And so that's just kind of a piece of digital technology. And I remember, uh, I just, I can remember back, uh, you know, to those times quite a few years back, uh, the strong messaging that was coming and the support that was coming from our senior leaders. And I think that that continuous drive and that push eventually trickled down to to everyone in our organization to where um, now I think it, whereas there might have been quite a few skeptics in the past, I think uh, everybody uh, by and large kind of believes in in the power of data analytics when it's when it's properly applied and when there's when there's value coming out of it. So it plays a key role in your safety culture then. Yeah, I think uh, I think it's it's synonymous. I think when we talk about just culture and behaviors in general, um, so whether it's our operational excellence, whether it's our, our digital culture, whether it's our um, health environment safety, I think that 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 strong and consistent messaging from from the top and, and from our leaders um, is is really what has caused our company or helped our uh, our workforce to to achieve, I guess that uh, that next level. So I was looking over one of your uh, presentations. I believe it was called Operational Excellence for Oil and Gas. And you talk about the connected worker. Can you tell me a little bit about what that means? Yeah, yeah. So I think, uh, yeah, depending on the industry, connected worker can have some different meanings. So, you know, in my mind, um, I, I, you know, it comes in many forms, but I think the way we think of it here is, is it's, it's about connecting our data, connecting our software and systems, and it's connecting our workflows and our work processes. And, and it's really focused on our field operations staff. Um, so, so not only the frontline workers in making their daily duties become more efficient, you know, how are they going after the highest value? How are they, um, you know, making their day more productive? Uh, it's it's bigger than that for us is that you know it's it's also about those communication paths and workflows and priorities um, that are better aligned with the field support in the back office as well you know so it, it, you know whether it's the production accountant planner schedulers uh, inventory managers whomever it's it's kind of uh, basically pulling together that workday pulling together that field operation so all of that moves more seamlessly interesting Okay, so let's talk about some of the hurdles companies need to um, overcome to um, implement di a digital transformation plan. And why, or when, I guess I should say, did ConocoPhillips decide to go down that path? You know, that, that's a tough one because I, I, I can't recall like a, you know, a, a day or a quarter or a point in time where we said, okay, this is it. We're, we're, we're starting our, our transformation. I think it rarely happens like that. Mm -hmm. I think it, you know, a lot of times it typically starts out with, uh, you know, just some some little initiatives here or there, or what have you. I know, uh, I know that when it 
did finally start to take off in our company as far as digital transformation. And and I guess those specific words are, are similar to that. You know, it's probably a couple years old. And, and, and the reason why I remember that is because that's when I remember, you know, really that's where when the, the messaging from the leadership became, you know, very apparent, whether, where, whether it was in a town hall, whether it was communication, just internal communications being sent out in our, in our company intranet or, or elsewhere, really started seeing that very visible across the company a, a couple of years back. Yeah, does that, does that answer the question? I, I, th- I think there might have been another question in there that I, that I maybe didn't get to. Yeah, what, just what are some of the hurdles companies have to face to implement a digital transformation strategy? Yeah, I think it's uh, I think one of the obvious ones is, is around culture and behaviors. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, and I've been hammering on that, you know, leadership really helps to helps to drive some of the, that change. And it, but it, but it's a, a structured approach also to, um, you know, organizational change management, and, and and you know when we're when we are going through significant trans transitions, uh, so whether it's application direct application of a technology or whether it's uh, something, uh, you know, simpler as as in or seemingly more simple as in changing just our daily work processes or workflows. Um, you know, having that change management kind of thought through and understanding how you get buy-in, uh, how you how do you do training, how you roll it out, all that that approach I think is is really important. Definitely. And can you talk a little bit about how it helps with breaking down silos? Because I think I think that's a pain point for a lot of organizations. Yeah. Yeah. As far as breaking down silos, I think uh, it, that's 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 one that I think. Uh, you know, we struggled with too, because it's it's really, you know, the the opposite end of that spectrum, I guess, is is integrating everybody, and everybody's got their fingers in just about every piece of the pie, right? And and you can go too far that direction too. So, I think it's just it's a matter of of setting your organization up to where you have those open communication pathways, um, setting yourself up with that culture, the behaviors of, you know. It, doesn't have to be invented here. Um, you know, I've heard the term used uh, still shamelessly and still <laughs> like a strong word, but I bet it makes a lot of sense. It's why, you know, there, there's lots of uh, jargon for that, you know, reinventing the will and stuff. And sure. And that's the tendency a lot of folks had because have because, you know, if, if, if you invent something yourself, you do something yourself, you got a lot of pride that goes with that. It's it's changing the, the culture and the attitudes towards, you know, there's nothing wrong with someone else trying something that works and you just readily adopt it as quick as you can. I think there needs to be just as much um, emphasis placed on that and reward placed on that as as coming up with something on your own. I think that's really neat. I, I've never heard that steel shamelessly used in that in this context. And I think it, it's actually perfect because if things are working, why do you have to reinvent the wheel? It, it makes perfect sense to me. Yeah, and it, and it really helps. Um, you know, when when you're trying to get uh, broad alignment across, the, you know, a global organization like ours, you know, there's lots of times where trying to standardize and, and do things in a similar fashion makes sense. So whether it's you know being able to being able to to try things out and then scale quickly, whether it's being able to um, compare certain KPIs or metrics to, you know, to uh, not necessarily uh, beat an organization down, but just learn from it. 
I, I think it's, it's important. And I'm guessing there's probably some cultural aspects to this in, in terms of a global organization like yours and uh, people in, say, Europe or the Middle East have different ideas about things as well, just because of the culture that they're in. Yeah, yeah. And that's, I think, where, you know, another thing in our, in our company is, is there is a, um, you know, significant efforts and, you know, along with communication just around psychological safety. Uh, empathizing, understanding other cultures, understanding different perspectives, and giving uh, value to that. Um, you know that, that all that all plays a big part of it too. But that's you know that folds into that overall, you know, culture and, and behaviors that you see in your organization. I've never heard that term psychological safety. What do, what do you mean by that? Yeah, so psychological safety. It's really just uh, it, you know it's I guess to to say it in in as simple terms as I can think of it, it's it's when you get a group of folks together in a room, for example, uh, not feeling like you have to hold back, uh, not feeling like, you know, because so-and-so is, is there with you that you, you shouldn't say something, even though it would be better for everybody if you did bring it out into the open. It's 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 uh, kind of making sure that, that folks feel like they can be transparent and, and open in conversations. And I think by being able to speak freely and feeling feeling safe, if you will, it obviously is going to add a lot to the, the productivity and overall group because you can you get past a lot of the politics, you get past a lot of those hurdles that that you would have otherwise. I, I kind of imagine uh, uh, an analogy of the one juror in the trial who thinks the person's innocent and everybody else is saying that he's guilty and we should get out of here, but. Uh, being able to be that one person to give your view and really talk it through for the betterment of the organization. It really makes sense. That's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's being able to hold to your beliefs. It's, it's uh, you know, because, you know, you want opposing views. You don't want everybody in the room just shaking your their head to you because you're that seen as the senior leader, for example, right? Right. Um, want to set up the culture to where, um, you know, that's, uh, folk, folks can, can feel okay doing that. It's that check the box because I want to make my manager happy. But if it's not, if something's not safe, it's not safe. Right. I saw that you were recently quoted in Business and Industry Connection magazine, and you have a quote in there that I found interesting. You said, "In operations, technology alone won't differentiate us. Technology solutions are out there for everyone to use in the work process, and they're plentiful." You've got to focus on those more structured behaviors of work processes. That's the hard stuff, and that's the secret sauce. So, can you tell me a little bit more about that secret sauce? Yeah, I think it's I think it's from from learnings of folks want to gravitate toward the the really cool, sexy, you know, bright, shiny object, right? And so, when you see these new technologies that are coming out there, you know, everybody everybody jumps at okay, let's try this out or let's deploy this without maybe stepping back first to think about, you know, what what are our problems, what are our goals, what are we trying to accomplish, what's the value proposition, and then trying to link that up with, with technology solutions. Um, a lot of times we kind of want a shortcut and maybe we do have some some obvious problems out there and we, and we think that we can just um, hit it with a technology hammer and all will be good. But but a lot of times it's 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 really you have to remember that it's the technology that's the enabler and 
if, if things don't fundamentally change in the way you're going about your daily activities, um, the way your workflows are set up, the, your work processes, so it's either more efficient or you're more productive or what have you, um, you're really just implementing technology for the sake of, of doing so, right? And, and you're, you're, you might get a little bit of value from it, but you're really not going to um, get anything truly uh, differentiating, I guess, coming from it. Yeah, and I'm going to have to go on Amazon Prime and see if I can get a technology hammer. That sounds like a cool tool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what does the future hold in terms of digital transformation at ConocoPhillips? Can you talk to me a little bit about the path forward? Yeah, yeah, I think um, so. I think one one that we got to look at closer or continue to work is is just the transition of our workforce. You know, there's a lot of different skill sets that I think are going to come about. A lot of them that maybe we don't even under fully understand today. And so I think the competency management and training and, and skills, you know, that's going to be uh, upskilling is going to be key. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, our, our foundational principles and ops excellence and, and safety um, are still going to exist. You know, so you know, I talk a lot about the behaviors and the culture, um, you know, that will continue continue to evolve into the future and our technology will continue to to evolve you know and, and to, to make us more safe or more efficient at what we do uh, give us more job satisfaction what have you um, you know uh, but you know we're going to continue to to work as safely as we can we're going to continue to hold to our values on on environmental stewardship we're going to try to get drive the most value out of our daily decisions and so you know, we just, I got, I guess, got to wait and see, um, sure. stick to our fundamental uh, foundational principles in, in, in doing what we do to, to operate and, and, and um, being a leader in this industry. And then we just got to be able to be willing to make adjustments along the way and, and evolve uh, with the technology. And I guess while I have you on the podcast, I guess I should ask, um, so how has the COVID-19 situation affected you and uh, ConocoPhillips? Well, you know, you know, it's it's obviously touched us in many ways. Um, you know, we, just like most, uh, most folks did, uh, most other organizations and companies uh, went through a pretty long period of, of working out of our houses and and now in, in parts of our, our company, we're starting to return back to the office in a, in a very safe fashion. Obviously, mm-hmm. we've made, had, a, had to make a significant adjustments to, um, to, to many aspects of our, of our daily business. But, but so far, we found that we can do that safely. Um, so, but, but, you know, that's very location specific and, and, and we're, we got to be willing to adjust, you know, because, of course, different different regions that we're going to go up and down, I'm sure. Uh, this isn't going to be over next month. It's, it's, uh, we're going to have to ride this out for a while. One thing that I think has, has helped us to improve significantly is that collaboration, um, you know, across uh, u- utilizing technology, right? Utilizing um, uh, those different communication paths <laughs> that we've always been told to utilize as best we can. You know, just like we're doing today through audio, yeah, it would be a lot nicer if I could sit across from you in the room, but it's not not necessary to to achieve a lot of the same goals. And I think we've all found that out as well. You know, that being said, there always is going to be uh, 
value to that personal touch and to the, to the handshake and to having those face-to-face -face meetings. So I think um, <laughs> it's not just me. I think we all look forward to, to getting back to that someday. Oh, definitely. I could speak for my, uh, I speak for everybody. I think when I say that uh, we agree with you, there will come a time when we can get back in the same room together and uh, share ideas. So we're all looking forward to that. Um, well, thank you so much, Mark. Yeah, no worries. Okay. Well, you have right. a rest of your day. You too. Thanks a lot. This concludes this episode of Sphera Now. For more content on topics such as these, we encourage you to visit sphera.com, S-P-H-E-R-A.com. While there, feel free to click contact and submit feedback on this podcast or suggest topics you'd like to see us cover. Thank you and have a great rest of your day.